and welcome to the Parent Perspective podcast brought to you by Amazing Apprenticeships and Not Going to Uni. I'm Rachel Burden and this is the podcast where we aim to give you, parents and carers, everything you need to know to help your children make the right choices after leaving school. So that's anything from apprenticeships to T-levels to traineeships, work experience, also how to fund your choice, where to get information, how you can support your child. We've got you covered. You can find us on the Amazing Apprenticeships website or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can join the conversation on social media too. Coming up in episode six, it's all about thinking outside the box. What can an apprenticeship or a traineeship or a degree lead to? Is there a training programme for almost any career? And how can some of these options support your child to achieve their dreams or maybe give them a fallback if things don't go exactly to plan? Well, to talk you through all of that, we've got Jennifer Sullivan, who is a traineeship tutor at Cube Learning. Alongside her, Nazish Akhtar, who's just left school and is now hoping to do a retail apprenticeship. And two first team players at the Premiership Rugby Club Sale Sharks, Luke James and Sam Dugdale. Hello to all of you. It's brilliant to have you on. Uh, Jennifer, why don't we start with you and get you to tell us a bit about Cube Learning and what your organisation does? Yeah, so Cube Learning, we're a training provider. We deliver apprenticeships from, I think, from like a level two right up to a level six. We also do short courses, some online ones, some classroom based for job seekers and the crowning jewel, the traineeship department where I work. That's where you work. Some people won't even know what level two to level six means. So can you just talk us through that? <laughs> so a level two would be the equivalent of a pathway GCSE. Level three is an A-level. A level six is an honours degree. Seven would be master's and then a PhD is the highest you can get. So that's an A. But it just gives you an idea of the kind of range of skill level that you're talking about here right across the board. And what kind of sectors do you do traineeships in? So traineeships, we can literally do in anything, any anything somebody wants to do where you don't have to go to university to get to get a degree to do it so we wouldn't do one in you know being a brain surgeon but any kind of other industries that you can think of we'll do a traineeship in apprenticeships we specialize in retail health and social care business services warehousing and logistics but for traineeships we're not we don't have to stick to those things we can deliver in other areas too and is it busy at the moment is there a lot of demand for for new talent so busy. I don't think we've ever been busier in the traineeship team. It's really fun at the moment. Well, that's really encouraging to know. And Nazish, I really want to come and hear your story in just a moment. But I'm first of all going to leap ahead to, to Luke and Sam, who are just a tiny bit kind of ahead of you in terms of their career journeys. Um, and Luke and Sam, on the face of it, people might think, well, you've got this glorious kind of dream career that people would kill to have but I know the path into professional sportsmanship isn't isn't always smooth so so Sam first of all just tell us about some of the different chapters I suppose in your career so far yeah uh yeah so I've had a in a short period of time and in the five years I've had quite a uh, a different hopeful different path to some other players such as Luke so uh, after my first two years at Sale, I um, at the start of COVID, it was I got released by them, and they just because obviously the it was everyone didn't it was up in the air what was happening. So um, then I, I once I got released, I kind of I was like panicking a bit. I was like, right, what what do I do now? Um, so I've I've actually had a experience in the working life, is as you would say, 
So I, um, I've worked in a building supply yard. So that's somewhere that all these houses going up now, we'd supply like the bricks, everything going for that. As it was hard, it was quite good at the same time because I felt like I was learning and building something else that I could also have alongside the rugby if I did get the chance to get back in. And luckily enough, I did with sale. And then that's obviously something that I've been interested in doing. So I've um, I've recently just finished like a, a basic skills in plumbing with a few other lads, which was good to learn that side of things. I'm looking forward to maybe doing different kind of things. So bricklaying, plastering, uh, electrical side of things. So. That's amazing. I mean, to have that range of skills in life anyway is is really useful. But But you're aware as well that the shelf life of any sportsman or woman can be can be short it can be very fickle so does that give you a bit of reassurance do you think in in other aspects of, of your of your career yeah definitely I think ever since coming back from uh, being released I've always always had in the back of my mind I need to do something off the field as well to make sure because like you said the career isn't as long as some of the jobs so you've got to kind of have that backup plan so it is quite reassuring now that I've had the experience of doing things I can actually move on from that and did I also read that you've done an apprenticeship in personal training as well? Uh, yes, that was, Sale put that on for a few of the lads in the first two years. So we uh, we went through that and it was good to get that side of thing. It's because we do, we gym every every day and it's kind of like second nature to us. So if we can learn to do that, it's going to be quite, not easy, but it's going to be quite good for us to learn in that side of things so we can take it into something after rugby so you've got a whole range of skills there that you're yeah. building alongside your rugby playing um and luke i think the club are very conscious that they need to support players to have interests outside of of their actual kind of on the pitch or on in the gym work aren't they you've 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 taken this again to a different level by doing a, a degree at manchester met uni yeah so um I think as soon as I found out I was signing with Sale, they were keen to try and push me and everyone in my year into doing something. So a couple of lads did the PT course that Sam just mentioned. And then me and one other lad in my year went on to do a degree at Manchester Met, both enrolled on the same course. Yeah, Sale just highlighted how important it was for us to be doing something alongside it. One, have a separate focus and two, just to make sure we're set for life after rugby. And does it give you a different perspective, do you think, in terms of your playing career as well? Being on a course and interacting with people that aren't in professional sport, kind of you get to speak to people outside of the environment you're always in, hear stories about, like Sam said, working in the real world, not not this dream job that we have. So that's interesting to hear what real life can be like and how day-to-day goes for them. But then also just, just like I said, making sure that we're not always rugby all the time, being able to flip to something else and pour energy into something else can be quite good for us at times. Jennifer, what do you make of what these two lads have kind of put into place uh, for themselves? So I suppose it's not quite hedging bets, but accessing different opportunities for upskilling when they can. That's what's amazing about apprenticeships and things like that. You can do an apprenticeship alongside working or um, like doing another job like they're doing. And they're making me feel a little bit lazy, to be honest. They have quite a lot going on. Listen, these guys are machines. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> but they work hard. I've no doubt about that. But they've probably got a little bit more free time than a lot of people. But that said, it's probably worth talking a bit about what sort of time commitment you need for an apprenticeship or a course like the ones they've been talking about. A typical level two apprenticeship would take you about 15 months. But if you're doing that within the workplace where you're already working, 
Um, you do, I think 20% of your time is taken up by doing what's called off the job training. So that would be all your kind of studying work. And the rest of the time you, you're just making money, you're doing a job. So it done, I know I did, I did an apprenticeship when I was working a few years ago and I didn't feel like I was doing, you know, studying. It was like, just like working, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Nazish, I'm keen to hear your story now. <laughs> you're, you're right at the start of this journey. How old are you? Just turned 19. Just turned 19. So what have you been doing since your GCSEs finished? Um, after my GCSE fin GCSEs finished, then I did um, A-levels, but I did it in sixth form. And then once I completed that, I came to Cube. And I found Cube because my uh, work experience place, um, they recommended it to me. So I did work experience after I left um, sixth form. And then I came to Cube and then I started my traineeship. And that lasted like six weeks. And I did it in retail. And it was with the entertainer, the famous um, toy shop in Broadway and Leeds. So I did it there. And did you have any idea when you finished your A-levels what you wanted to do? I wanted to, I wasn't going to go uni anyways because I'm more of a practical person. So I chose to do an um, apprenticeship instead. But then, because um, I started with Cube, they said, do your traineeship first then you can develop and do a apprenticeship because it was so hard to find it before like even like back in school my teachers used, used to be like to me oh you can find new questions don't but that wasn't really useful for me because i wasn't going to go uni anyways and apprenticeships in Bradford are really hard to find anyways so yes then i came with cube and i did um my six weeks traineeship and now i'm in a few weeks, I'm going to go back because I got offered the job and that's till January. And then after that, I'm looking for like an apprenticeship or like probably like a full-time job, but most likely the apprenticeship because that's something I want you to do. One thing that Nazish has got is she does know what she wants to do, which most young people don't. So she did know she definitely wants to work in retail. She definitely didn't want to go to university. So... <clears throat> um with that in place we knew we had to find a retail place yeah. didn't we and um so it made the journey a bit a bit smoother but most yeah. people don't know what they want to do at 19 I know I didn't when I was 30 so yeah She's well, <laughs> I quite often reference I quite often reference my teenagers on this podcast one of whom definitely knows they want to go off to uni and that's fine the other one has no idea he's 15 will be 16 this year um and and he has no clue so how do you advise students coming to you initially if they say look don't want to go to uni I do want to just get stuck in and involved in something practical but I don't have any particular path that you know I have in mind where, where do you begin to work out where their talents are best suited I would ask them like what route they want to go down so I'd be like what's that, what sort of mind like not mind but like what sort of route career do you want to go down and then they might have something they might like in particular, like if they like health and social, I'd, be, I'd recommend something more health and social. And if they've got more of a business kind of mind, I'd be like, okay, retail or probably business business admin or like if they like ICT, then I'll probably say ICT or something. But I would like recommend them to like come to Kickstart. Mm. I'd recommend them to come to Kickstart because um, it's quite, it's just straightforward and they get you your placement really fast and there's no this everything is done like quick like there's no like delays in anything like everything's just fast and it's just perfect 
Yeah, so what's great about a traineeship is you're not committing to one industry in particular. So if you take up an apprenticeship, it's going to be in something. So it might be in plumbing, it might be in retail. But with a traineeship, you can come to us and say, I have absolutely no idea what I want to do. So we'll have a chat, get to know, you know, what your basic interests are. Are you a practical person? Are you somebody who'd be more suited to an office? <laughs> and then we try something. They might just go do a couple of weeks in one of their placements and then think, right, actually, no, that's definitely not for me. And they come back and we can put them somewhere else then. Then at least, even if we get to sort of the end of the nine-week programme, they've tried five different things and not liked any, at least we've knocked five different things off their list of things they could possibly do in the future. Because there's just too much to choose from when you're so young. Um, so that's what's yeah, one of the great things about yeah. a training shift. Yeah, that's kind of true in some way because, like, I think when I was about 16, like, I wasn't sure if I were going to do sixth form or not. And then somehow I ended up doing, doing my A-level. <laughs> I don't know how, but I ended up doing it. Then I was like, okay, now I need to choose something more practical because I'm just sick and tired of stretching. <laughs> I've got, I, I know plenty of people who would who would be nodding along to that, Nazish. Um, yeah. This is the parent perspective. So I, I'm interested to know what Luke and Sam's parents kind of thought about what they were doing with their careers and their lives. And Sam, I remember my Sam, my son Sam, saying when he was about six, I want to be a professional rugby player. And I said, don't be ridiculous. Now, I don't know if your parents ever said that to you, or maybe they had complete faith in you. So what kind of advice did they give you about your options? Uh, it's it's quite good on that because both, like my dad or my mum never, or no one never touched a rubber ball in their life. So it's kind of, um, kind of a different... I also played a lot of different sports to a decent level. So when I was younger, I didn't, I've always wanted to be like at the highest level in some kind of sport. And it only came when I was about 12 or 13 that I wanted to come fully into rugby. So once, um, once my parents like, knew that, they just said, you've got to commit to it. But you've also got to have... You've also joined school. You've got to work hard and stuff. You've got to be able to... If it doesn't work out, you've got to have that plan B, which is what I kind of struggled with in school because I've always had my head on being professional. And um, I kind of let my studies drop a little bit, which isn't a good thing because later in life it did come and, uh, as you would say, bite me in the bum because I didn't have anything to fall back on when I did get released. So they just said that once I do go back, I've always got to have that that second plan. And now ever going back, like I said before, I've always had that urge to have that se that second route in place. So they were, yeah. they were always very positive with it saying you've just got you've got to go for it because you have you've got to give it your all but then once once you do get there you've got to realize right I've got to have my got to have that plan b yeah I, th I think so many parents are like that aren't they if, if if their child is kind of really ambitious to go in one direction or the other whatever it might be um but but I'm glad they have faith in you because they were they were right to what what about your parents Luke where do they stand on all of this mine was kind of like the opposite to Sam my my dad played rugby all his life and then my granddad played all his life. And then I have an older brother that plays in the same team. So he played as well. He's, another Sam. Yeah, another Sam. <laughs> He's five years older than me. So they kind of saw him go through the process of what it takes to get a professional contract when he was 18. And they just kind of, from a relatively early age, when I started saying I wanted to try and be a player, and that was my dream, they kind of informed me and reminded me of what it'll take to do it like the sacrifices and the hard work but then that it's not necessarily going to happen it might not happen because it's there's a lot of people that want to be that 
there's not many there's not many uh, positions in squads. So just that I needed to be prepared if I didn't get a contract. So one, not make it my everything and be absolutely destroyed if I didn't, but also be able to go into something else through my studies and still be able to forge a career for myself. Well, you would probably be better place than most people to know the, the realities of the, the, the kind of ups and downs of, of this kind of life, but but it's worked out for you. And and did, did you ever regret, Luke, like, for example, not going to university? Did you think that was a sort of life experience that you missed out on? Um, a little bit. I kind of had a little taste of it almost. I lived with some friends for almost a year in a university house in Fallowfield whilst I was professional, so I got to see got to see what they got up to and sort of be in it but not really do the lifestyle that they all had all the parties and the nights out so I'd just kind of sit in and go to bed early whilst they went out or something but it does seem like a good life experience being like going to uni it seems like people have fun you make a lot of new friends you meet a lot of people from completely different places whereas I suppose at training we meet a lot of people from different places all the foreign players, people that get moved from club to club. But yeah, it seems like it would, sometimes I think it's something I missed out on, but then I'm never too too upset about it because I'm pretty happy with where I am now. Well, yeah, I mean, the career you chose has brought all kinds of other different opportunities. What about you, Sam? Do you feel like there was a kind of period of your life where you missed out on the, I suppose, the messing around and the finding yourself part? Yeah, definitely there is, but I'm kind of similar to, I was, I've, I'd always, I was never going to go to uni. Like, I never had that in mind with me. So it's kind of like sat on doing the apprenticeship kind of thing if I did have to do that. So, uh, but like Lou said, you do, Luke said, you do get the experience of living with your mates in the first few years because you live in one of the, as we say, ACAD houses. So that's where like three or four of you live in a house together. So it is at the same time quite fun doing that. But obviously you can't have that uni lifestyle going out three times a week and all that stuff. But you get a little bit of taste of the life. And Aziz, you've you've been determined right from the start. You didn't want to go to uni. Any regrets about that? Um, no, because I'm a more practical person, so no, not really. And how much did the financial commitment play into that as well? Because I know that is something people are having serious conversations about these days. Kickstart kind of helped me with my bus fare and stuff whilst I was on my traineeship. So um, that kind of helped me and stuff because I don't have a dad and I'm my mum's like, I have a single mum, so it's kind of a bit hard and stuff for her to like, you know, like pay for my bus fare and stuff. And, you know, it's different if I was earning, but it was um, a full-time traineeship that was unpaid, so that's like... Yeah, of course. But actually, what you what you don't have at the end of three years is a whacking great debt around your neck either, you know, which oh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, are really taking into consideration at the moment. And and Jennifer, just tell us about the different kinds of support you can give to somebody like Nazish, who it's not just about the kind of practical stuff, setting them up on the traineeship. It's the whole life support, isn't it? For me, that's the biggest part of the traineeship is the um support that they get the pastoral side of it the sort of information and advice and the guidance so they're getting visits um in placement every week from their tutor and we don't really talk that much about work actually do we no we <laughs> talk about like different kinds of uh, stuff and it like kind of kind of gets your mind off work because they're the big we don't want to take your mind off the work, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we talk about no, like both, different uh, kinds of different kinds of stuff. Like it's not always work, is it? It's like other aspects of work. And they're building the soft skills, the kind of communication skills, team yeah. working, 
things like that. Um, I think that one-to-one -one support from the shooter really does. Yeah. Sometimes it, it boosts your level of uh, confidence and it makes you feel more better about yourself. Good. Sometimes you'll get a student at the beginning of the journey and by the time nine weeks later on your last visit and they're like a totally different person. And it's it's really lovely to see actually. Um, to, to be able to support someone and see them transition in that short space of time must be really rewarding. It's amazing. It is the best job in the world. I think for apprenticeship assessors, they only get to see their students every sort of four to six weeks. So for the, the trainees get a lot of extra support and it's, it is a privilege to be able to go see them every week. Um, they tell you all about their lives and <laughs> just being part of what is the beginning of their career right at the very start is, is really special. And, and just to clarify the difference between a traineeship and apprenticeship, can you just outline that for us? Yeah, so if we look at it like it's the step before an apprenticeship, so, so many students coming out of school thinking, oh, I want to go get an apprenticeship. I'm not going to go to college. An apprenticeship is what I want. They're actually quite, can be quite difficult to find. And a lot of the employers are wanting um, grades far and above in English and maths at GCSE. And a lot of our students just don't have that. Um, so to do a traineeship before the apprenticeship, they're getting the opportunity to go into the workplace and showing that they're more than just the GCSE results. They've got a lot more to offer and they're earning the job by work experience where, rather than just the CV. And then at the end of the traineeship, they go on to an apprenticeship. So an apprenticeship is accredited. You will get uh, a qualification at the end, whether it be a level two in customer service or I don't know, level three retail um, for a traineeship. You're just there for, for the fun, really. <laughs> and, and, for, and for the life skills. And Absolutely, yeah. And they get they get some tutoring on how to make a CV, how to approach going to job interviews. And I mean, I still get nervous now going for job interviews. <laughs> so I feel like we could we could relate how yeah. we're talking about it. And uh, yeah, and then it's nice to see when they do go to a job interview a few weeks down the line and they get the job and it's amazing. Yeah. About. It's yeah. Sam and Luke, I mean, you're both still really young. So it's a bit pointless saying, you know, what would your message be to your 16 year old self because it's not that long ago but mm -hmm. but for anyone uh, listening who might be thinking about sort of following their dreams Luke say whether that's as a professional sports person or um, becoming a great actor or singer or these days you know a top gamer or social media influencer whatever it is if, if you're really determined to get out there and pursue that kind of goal, do you have any advice for, for teenagers in that position at the moment? I think for people wanting to go into professional sport, it's just if you want to go for it, making sure you're really dedicated and willing to sacrifice a lot of things, like making sure your diet's good, making sure you're training, maybe missing out on some parties when you're in high school or sixth form, maybe not going out with one night, staying in, making sure you're doing whatever you're doing to make to give yourself as good a chance as you can achieve what you want to do. So it's kind of a case of going all in, but also from your experience, having your eyes open to 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 other opportunities, to, to the kind of bigger world around you, even if that's like the world of sport through your through your sports science degree. Yeah, so for me, I, I knew I wouldn't want, if I didn't get a professional contract, I know I wouldn't want to go into another area. So I wanted to stay around sport. So for me, I did that originally with the aim of potentially going on and doing a physiotherapy master's in it. So using the sports science to then go to physiotherapy, which was kind of my goal. And then being around 
some sort of a sports team just to stay in the environment. So making sure I had something that kind of ran parallel to my sport that still had my same interests, kept me in the same environment that I liked and just gave me another route into that world. Yeah. So I suppose the thing is, if you don't succeed, keep trying, you can test your levels of dedication, but also there may be other routes into that kind of world. Even if you're not the player on the pitch, there may be other opportunities around it that would still give you that kind of satisfaction and allow you to sort of pursue your passions, I guess, particularly in the world of sport. What, what about you, Sam? Any, any sort of advice to your 15-year-old self, 16-year-old self? Uh, I think it would, like Luke said, then it is give it your all and you, you are going to have to make some sacrifices to make it make it happen in the long run. Um, but I would also say to um, to have that plan B so you don't, I know you, or you spend time in the gym, but you also have that backup of doing well in school, having having those, like as you say, uh, good GCSE, GCSE results, the good A level, so you do have the opportunity to have, to fall back on something. Yeah, it's it's about I suppose it's about having options, isn't it? Yeah. And um, are you impressed, by the way, by Nazish and how kind of like focused she is and <laughs> embarking on this phase of her life? You've got a couple of professional rugby players here. Nazish, anything you'd like to ask them? What's the big um, best? What's the best bit you enjoyed within that um, rugby career? Okay, the be- the best thing about being a pro rugby player, I guess. Luke, do you want to start? I think it's kind of the environment that you get to work in every day so yeah there's a lot of hard work and focus that goes on but there's a lot of kind of messing around with people that you spend every day and become your mates so it kind of becomes at the end of the day it's a hobby really right it all started out as a hobby. how was it like how was it like um when you like first started was it like quite nerve-wracking at the start or was it like, were you like confident with everything or were you just a bit? I think everyone that comes in, when you when you first go in, like your first week, you're probably going to yeah. be doing fitness. You don't know any of the calls or any of the plays that they run. Yeah. So you're hearing headlights going in, trying to sit at the back of every room, just listen and make notes on everything and just not embarrass yourself to start with. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that feeling, actually, don't we? Yeah. What about you, Sam? Highlights of, of your rugby career so far? Uh, I think it's definitely as as Luke said. It is the environment you're in. You go to every day. You're going to work. You're doing something that that you love. It's like your hobby, like you said. You go in. You you go in the gym. You you're playing rugby every day. You cut. You're coming home. You've got that. You've got that spare time to do the things that you you actually love doing. So it is like you said. It's the environment you're in and stuff like that. It is it is good. And, and Nazish, where would you like to be in ten years' time? Um... In 10 years' time, I just see myself in the retail industry like as a retail manager. I was going to say, I could see you managing a whole shop, to be honest. I could see you being CEO of a whole blooming network of shops. Or even doing this job, you're brilliant at asking questions. Well, thank you so much to all of you for for talking about your experiences and and for your amazing expertise as well, Jennifer, which is really, really helpful. So Nazish and Jennifer and Sam Dugdale and Luke James from Sail Sharks, thank you all so much for contributing and thank you. Uh, for listening to this episode of The Parent Perspective. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, you can find Amazing Apprenticeships on social media. That's at Amazing Apps UK, or you can find Not Going to Uni at Not Going to Uni. Just use the hashtag Parent Perspective. Bye-bye.